turn to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. I'm going to read a rather lengthy text this morning, but it's a wonderful story, a story that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. And in fact, it was just referenced in that video, uh, the story of Elijah and a widow in Sidon. So when you find 1 Kings 17, join me in standing, please, as we show our respect for the reading of God's word. And this is the word of the living God. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, I stand before him, and there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then a revelation from the Lord came to him. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide yourself at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the Wadi. I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he did what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived by the Wadi Cherith, where, the, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he drank from the Wadi. After a while, the Wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow woman gathering wood. Elijah called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Elijah. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. You know, this really concludes our uh, 40 days of uh, journey to a more generous life. We've been studying that little book, and I do have one more sermon I'm going to preach, but I'm not going to preach it until after Easter. Uh, I'm going to preach a message called National Recovery or Personal Survival. And I think it may be the most pertinent message I've ever preached in my ministry. I hope we are on our way to a national recovery. But to be honest, I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of hope that that's really what's taking place. But the good news is, is that I don't have to worry about a national recovery. God has promised he will never leave nor forsake me. And that if I'm faithful to him, he'll be faithful to me. And that's what this story is all about. And I love what Brian Clue said on page 58. I hope you mark some of these things in that little book. These are great uh, kind of sermons in a sentence. He said, isn't it wise to give during your lifetime to the someone who gave you everything you have? Uh, you think about it, where did you get everything you have? You said, well, I worked for it. I earned it. Well, who gave you a job? And uh, who, who gave your company the ability 
to make money so that you could work there and be employed there. Uh, and, and who gave us the raw materials we use for everything? God gave it. And so many times we take God's creation uh, for granted. I told the folks at 8 o'clock this morning, normally that is the most faithful group in the church. Uh, Paul and I do all three services usually. I count them. I don't count every service, but at 8 o'clock it's not difficult. And we have about 60 folks. And, and they're there. They're there if it rains. Uh, they're there if it's a holiday weekend. They're, they just, I guess they don't go anywhere. They just come to church on Sunday at 8 o'clock. They, that's the exciting part of their life. They get up early on Sunday morning come to church because they're here week in and week out. But the other morning I got up, and it was one of those mornings when you go outside and, and ice is on your car. And I'm not just talking about a little bit of ice. I'm talking about I thought I was at the North Pole. I had so much ice on the car. Had to crank it up and warm it up and uh, get all the ice off of it. And when I got to church, I looked out, and I, I thought we were going to have literally a biblical service that day. You say, what's a biblical service where two or three are gathered in my name? That's a biblical service. And I thought, and pretty much, Paula, that's what it was that day. I said, wow. Uh, so I found out that uh, those folks come in the rain. Uh, they, come at, they came at the time change. But, buddy, if it gets cold, they don't come out. And uh, so, so that hindered their faithfulness. But, you know, if you went outside today, you would think that we never had days like that, wouldn't you? And you know what made all the difference is the fact that the sun is brightly shining this morning. Now, the sun was out that day. But it, and it was shining, but it wasn't shining brightly enough and it wasn't hot enough to melt the ice. You had to use your defroster. Uh, how often do we take the sun for granted? You realize if there were no sun, we'd all freeze to death. You say, well, we'd starve too. Listen, I've checked. You'll freeze before you'll starve, all right? Uh, and, and, but all of us would freeze if it weren't for the light of the sun. Where did the sun come from? God made it. You know, one of the things I have loved about the history, and please don't get all of your theology from the History Channel, but one of the things I've loved about this series in the Bible is that they have been pretty much true to the Bible in the gist of the stories, not in every fact, but in the gist. And I loved the creation story. Uh, the creation story was told by Noah on the ark. If you missed the first episode, I think you can probably uh, watch it. If, if, you, if you go online or something, History Channel, they probably have the whole thing there. But I love the way Noah in the ark, while the, while the flood was, was rolling, he was telling his family the story of the early chapters of Genesis. And, and I love the fact that he said God created the world. And I really love the fact that they showed the way God created man. I think they did the best job of anybody I've ever seen portraying the creation of man. It said that God made man from the dust of the earth. And if you watch that episode, you remember when Adam got up, he looked like a little kid in a mud hole. I mean, he had mud all over him. He had it in his hair. He had mud on his eyes and he stood up. In fact, you didn't know what it was till he blinked and you saw eyes there. I think they did a great job. But here's the important thing. That TV series is showing the important thing about our relationship to God is it's by faith. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abram left his father's house. By faith, Abraham offered to sacrifice Isaac when he thought that was what God commanded him to do. By faith, David stood in front of Goliath and killed him with a stone. All those things are by faith. And so we need to understand the basis of the Bible is man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And that's where faith comes in. Well, Notice that Elijah had some problems. 
And there are three problems right here in this passage. Well, one uh, before and one right after. First of all, there was a sin problem. In, in chapter 16, verse 30, uh, the Bible says, But Ahab, who was the king then, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight more than all who were before him. Now, if you read that in the Hebrew, it reads like this, that Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and he did so much of it that he was more evil than all the kings of Israel who had come him before, before him put together. In other words, this man was evil personified, and he was sitting on the throne in Israel in Samaria. And so there was a sin problem. By the way, if you don't think the signs of the times are all around us, just listen to the news. Last night on the news, a young man was shot in the head in Bessemer and was found on a middle school campus. A baby was buried yesterday, a little two-year, I called it a baby, I guess it was a young child, two-year-old to me a baby. Her father had killed her, savagely killed her. We need to understand that there's rampant sin today, as there was sin in the days of Elijah, there's sin today. But Ahab was the most wicked king that ever sat on the throne of Israel. And because of that, God said, I'm going to punish Israel. And he said, I'm going to send a drought. And in fact, he said, Elijah, it will not rain unless you say it for it to rain for the next three and a half years. In fact, James says, Elijah was a man like we are. And yet God spoke through him and it did not rain for three and a half years. Can you imagine how dry it would be in Alabama if we didn't get rain for three and a half years? Can you imagine how dry it was in Israel? The drought had just started. But, and I love this. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers. What do you know about Gilead or Gilead? There's a balm in Gilead. Now, isn't that something? What does a balm do? It brings healing. <laughs> what did Elijah do? He brought judgment. He was from the place known for the balm that was there to heal. And he was trying to heal the land, but to heal the land, you've got to get rid of the sin. And he confronted Ahab about his sin. But there he said, there's going to be a drought. Notice, he said, there's not even going to be any dew to fall. That's how dry it was. No moisture whatsoever. The humidity was less than zero. You say, how can it be less than zero? I don't know, but it must have been. They didn't have any dew nor rain, and you have to have humidity to have that. So there was no humidity for three and a half years. And then notice, if you go over to 1 Kings 18.2, it says, here's the results of sin and drought is famine. And in 1 Kings 18, 2, it says the famine was severe in Samaria. So Elijah had, pro all of us have problems. By the way, did you know that? You may be here today and you may not have a problem. Let me, can I congratulate you? Let me tell you, you're very fortunate today if you don't have a problem. My wife got up this morning and uh, was going through some things that came in on her smartphone last night. And we saw where a former member of our church, Richard Chatham, had uh, recently been diagnosed with ALS. And his wife was posting, she posted a scripture reference at five o'clock this morning. That scripture reference from Corinthians, it talks about how hard pressed we are, but we have hope. And, 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 and I know there are problems right here. Some of you uh, on these pews, you have heartaches, you have broken hearts today. Some of you say, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. Uh, and I want you to know, God wants you to know he cares about you. He cares about you enough to send his only begotten son to die on the cross for your sins. And by the way, once you're his dear child, you need 
to cling to him in times of trouble. Don't, don't, and I'm not against counseling. I believe in going to counseling, but let me tell you who the best counselor is. The best counselor is the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, it says he's the wonderful counselor. He's the only counselor that can give you advice that is a hundred percent guaranteed. He's not going to tell you anything wrong. Now I want to try to tell you the right thing, but I can't give you a hundred percent guarantee. You know, when people come to me, they say, well, what kind of a counselor are you? I say, I'm a biblical counselor. Then you say, what do you mean you're a biblical counselor? Well, if you're sinning, I say, cut it out. Don't do it anymore. If you say, well, what if I don't love my mama? Then you don't need me, all right? You need somebody that's a better counselor than I am. Uh, That's what I tell Linda Story every time I see Linda Story. She's a counselor in the Hope Center. And every time I see Linda Story, I say, Linda, I love my mama. And she said, why do you always tell me that, Brother Mike? I said, well, there's something wrong with you. You don't love your mama. I love my mama. You know, I, but everybody has problems. There's not a person in this room today that doesn't have a problem of some kind. We need to understand that. So Elijah was, was facing some problems, but aren't you glad God gives us paths to get away from those problems? Or if we don't get away, he says, I'll take care of you while you're in the midst of your problems. First of all, God gave him an order to leave. In verse 3, he said, leave here. Now, I want to tell you, I learned a lesson many years ago. I went to seminary, and I remember in our evangelism class, old Dr. Patterson said, now, boys, boys, when you win a little boy or little girl to Jesus, boys, you need to tell that little boy or that little girl next Sunday in church, I'm going to be preaching, and when I get through preaching, I'm going to go stand down here in the front, and when I'm standing down here in the front, you've asked Jesus to come in your heart, and you need to get up and walk down this aisle and take me by the hand, I'm going to tell everybody, this little boy, this little girl asked Jesus in their heart, and they want to be baptized, and everybody will welcome them into the church after they're baptized, and boys, that's how you need to do. So I did that for many years, and one day I was getting ready to talk to a little child, and I was having my quiet time, and it wasn't too quiet that day, and God said, uh, why don't you trust me? I said, Lord, I do trust you. He said, why don't you trust me enough to let me tell that little child when they need to come down the aisle? You're not their Lord and Savior. You're not their master. You're their pastor. And the most important job you have is teaching that little boy or that little girl or teaching their mamas and daddies or their grandmothers and granddaddies to listen to me. And you know what? When that little child came in that day and they invited Jesus in their heart, I said, I want to tell you something. One day, just because like you heard Jesus knocking at your heart's door today, you knew you wanted to do something. You'll be in church, and it might be children's church, and it might be big church, but you'll be somewhere, and God will say, now that Jesus is in your heart, you need to be baptized. And I said, I want you to learn to listen to God, listen to Jesus. I hope you've learned that, because I'm not the only one in this church he speaks to. He speaks to every one of his children if you will listen. But God gave him an order. He said, get out of here. And then he said, go and hide. Isn't that a strange thing to say? He said, go and hide. Why did he tell him to go and hide? Because Ahab was probably going to try to kill him. Because if he could kill Elijah, he would think, that'll stop the drought. I've killed the guy that started it. That'll stop it. So God said, you go and hide. But then he said, I want you to go to the brook Cherith. Now, 
uh, the wadi, in, in, in the HCSB it's called wadi, and if you go to Israel, uh, there's a mountain range on either side of the Jordan, and coming down off that mountain range are these little dry ditches. Now, some of those dry ditches are spring-fed, and so they're not dry all year round, uh, but many of them are dry all year round. There's no water in them, but the wadi Cherith that the, the comes off the mountain, it comes near where the Sea of Galilee is, comes down uh, near where the Jordan flows into the Sea of Galilee. Uh, if you go and look on a map, you'll see it there. And the Wadi Cherith was where God sent him to hide. He said, stay there. And he stayed there according to God's command. But then in verse 9, he said, get up and go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Now, this was really weird because God was saying, get out of Israel. If you look at a map, Sidon is not in Israel. And he said, you get out and go to Sidon and dwell there among pagan people. Isn't that something? God would tell a preacher of Israel who went to a pagan nation to go to a pagan nation and stay there, and God said, somebody's going to take care of you there. It'd be like me this morning deciding, I'm, I'm going to go to Afghanistan. I'm going to go to Afghanistan, and I'm going to tell them God's tired of the way you're treating people. God's tired of this Muslim, oppressive Muslim regime, and y'all need to stop that. You need to let people have freedom of religion. We need to be able to preach about Jesus Christ out in the public square. That would not be a popular message in Afghanistan. In fact, I probably wouldn't last long in Afghanistan. You say, what if God told you to do it? I'd be a fool not to do it because God is going to take care of me. That's exactly what he told Elijah. He said, go up there to Zion. Go up there where those people hate you. And he said, I'll tell you what to do when you get there. So those were Elijah's problems and Elijah's paths, but notice Elijah's provisions. First of all, there was bird food. Now this, he didn't buy this at a store, it was brought to him. While he's staying there by that little brook and water was in that, birds brought, and notice the kind of birds that brought him food. Now, I wouldn't too much mind getting food from a cardinal or maybe even a mockingbird but when a raven flies down and says, here's your breakfast. And I'm thinking, yeah, a while ago, my breakfast was laying in the middle of the road with a chariot mark on its head. That's exactly what it was. In, in, in Alabama terms, it was roadkill, all right? Now, if it was in Alabama, it'd be a possum or, or, or maybe an armadillo. But uh, I, don't know, I don't know what they found over there, probably rabbits and, and rodents and things like that. But... And notice the ravens kept bringing him. And notice that the ravens kept bringing him. When have you ever seen a raven pick up something on the side of the road and take it somewhere? Most times they stand there in the road eating it, and you have to blow your horn and you'll run over them. But man, every morning, every night, here would come these ravens. They'd come in and uh, uh, Elijah would say, there comes my meal on wings right there. They didn't have meal on wheels, meal on wings. Come on in, boys. Here's my plate. Put it down there. Oh, that looks good. That's fresh. It, yesterday was kind of overdone, and the, and the, the sun had kind of cooked it a little. But that's what he ate. You say, why did he do that? Because that's what God told him to do. Don't disdain what God gives. By the way, you know, that's another mark of spiritual maturity. You don't disdain what, you don't gripe about what God gives you. Listen, uh, God loves you. He has a purpose for everything. He, if something bad happens to you, there's a purpose for that. God doesn't make mistakes. If anything comes to you as a child of God, it comes through the filter of God's sovereignty on your life. And if he can command ravens to feed a hungry preacher, he can take care of your problems. 
He had spring water. Notice he drank from the wadi, man, every day. He'd, he'd go down there and he'd look, and even though it hadn't rained, hadn't had dew, there'd be water in that stream, and he'd drink from that water. But then one day, the Bible says, even that spring dried up, even the water dried up. But God, that was when God said, okay, it's time to move, time to go to Sidon, and he found an obedient widow. And he said, look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you. Isn't that something? Here's a pagan widow woman that Elijah went to. And isn't it something? He walks up to the gate of Sidon, and, uh, of Zarephath, and he walks up there. And as he's walking up to the gate, here comes this woman. And I can imagine she's, you know, she's kind of complaining. She says, I'm going to find me some sticks. I'm going to go cook this little cake of bread, and we're going to die. Did you see how many sticks she picked up? You say, what's significant about that? Any of you ladies ever cooked on a wood stove? Oh, y'all have been modern women all your life. No pioneer women in this place. I can tell you this, my grandma never cooked a meal that wasn't on a wood stove, and there wasn't a better cook in the world than my grandma. But I can tell you this, if she had two sticks, we wouldn't have much to eat. This lady said, I just need two sticks. All I've got's enough Two sticks of wood will cook this little cake I'm going to get. And Elijah said, bring me some water. And she went to get his water. And then he said, oh, by the way, bring me a piece of bread. Then she started, listen, I don't have but just a little bit of meal, a little bit of oil. And I'm going to make this. My son and I are going to eat it and we're going to die. But then notice what Elijah said. Elijah said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. A lot of people are afraid today. A lot of fear in the world today. You know what fear is the, obje- is the opposite of? Some people say, well, fear is the object, opposite of courage. No. Fear is the opposite of faith. Think about that. If God can do anything, and you believe in God, then can you do the impossible when God tells you to? Absolutely. Absolutely. Seas have been parted. The dead have been raised. Blind eyes have received sight. Crippled limbs have received strength. Hopeless cases become hopeful cases because the opposite of fear is not courage but faith. He said, don't be afraid. But then notice, after she did what Elijah said, there was no lack. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah She and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty, and the oil jug did not run dry, according to the word of the Lord he had spoken through Elijah. The phrase that's translated many days here, some people believe should be translated for at least a year. Now, how long did the drought last? Three and a half years. We don't know how long Elijah stayed by the brook. He stayed there a while. We don't know exactly how long he stayed in Zarephath. But some commentators believe he may have stayed there for over a year. And guess what? The greatest miracle was yet to come. I hadn't even mentioned that, but if you go on down and read the rest of that chapter, you'll find that this widow who who learned not to be afraid by giving Elijah something to eat had her son to die. And through the miracle of God that, that Elijah was able to display it was God doing the work but it was Elijah who was the prophet that boy was restored to life you think that lady ever grudged giving Elijah a meal I mean they ate off of it for a year 
And then her son died and God raised him back to life because she was obedient. I love what Brian Cluth said. He said, no church ever has a money problem, only a faithfulness problem. We get, we've given you several things this morning that you can do. First of all, we want you to pray for the senior adults going on their mission trip. We take these mission trips seriously. You know why? Because when these senior adults come back, they won't be the same as they are today. They'll be different. God's going to use this mission trip to change their lives. Right there in your bulletin, you have a card that says, we need your help. We need your help in Bible school. We need your help greeting people. Man, this morning at 8 o'clock, I had two men. I come down in downstairs, and, and at, eight, at 7.40 this morning, there were two men down there greeting me. I heard them talking about it. They said, hey, if we get a promotion, we get to move upstairs. And I thought, well, that made me feel real good. I was glad, and that's the first time, that's the first time since we've had an 8 o'clock service. I had two men greet me when I came in the bottom steps. That was great. We, we want to make it. We, we want to make a good first impression. We want people to know we care about them. You say, oh, you, oh, preacher, you're just out for my money. No, I'm not just out for your money. I want your time too, okay? Now, now I, and by the way, you say, I, preacher, I don't want your money. God, God asks for your money, not the preacher. The preacher is just his spokesperson. Uh, and and I, I'm not trying to be ugly about it. But I mean, where did you get what you have? Where did you get it? God gave it to you. God is the source. If you are your source, I feel sorry for you. You better let God be your source. Because only God has a never-ending supply. You and I run out. God never runs out. Now, I, I, listen, I, you know what stewardship is? Stewardship is time, talent, and treasure. Time. How much time do you spend serving the Lord? Mary and I have 40 homes to go to. For move, we're going to try to do it this week, and uh, uh, we're going to go. We're going to knock on doors. We're going to hand people a flyer, invite them to the Easter service, and, and ask them if we can pray for them. Ask them if there's anything we can do for them. I'm going to ask them where they go to church, and, and, and tell them we're not trying to proselyte, but we're having a special service on Easter down at the Civic Complex. We'd love for them to join us there. That's what I we intend to do. Why are we doing that? Because as the pastor, I need to set an example. I'm not going to ask you to do something I'm not doing. My wife, as a pastor's wife, is not going to ask you ladies to do something she's not willing to do. We're going to go out and we're going to knock on doors. Why? Because that's what we need to do. We need to give God our time. We need to give God our time. I, I want to tell you, I want to encourage some of you. Some of you have gotten lazy. And you, don't, you used to sing in the choir and you don't sing anymore. You've heard me say this before. But I think anybody who can sing... And won't sing, ought to be sent to sing, sing until they will sing. All right? That's what I think. Listen, and some of y'all, you, man, you, on the radio, you sound like a rock star. Some of you kids, on, man, you listen to the radio, and I don't know how y'all understand the words. I really don't. I, you know, I, I really don't. I mean, we had good words when I was a kid. We had shoebop, shoebop, shoebop. You know, <laughs> everybody knew what that meant shoebop, shoebop, shoebop. Some of y'all courted according to that song, I know. But you kids, you, man, y'all know all the words to all these rock. And listen, you know my feeling about rap music. If it's rap, it's not music, and if it's music, it's not rap. 
But I've seen kids, they can go from one six-minute rap song to another and never miss a beat, and I think they're going to die from lack of oxygen. I don't understand that. And y'all won't sing in church. You won't use your talents for God. Shame on you. Every part of your body ought to serve God. And then what about your treasure? Listen, I've learned from my grandmother who taught my daddy who taught me, best thing I ever do with my money is give it back to God. Because when I give it back to God, God gives it back to me. And it's just, it's just like that, that spring Elijah drank from. But one day it went dry. God said, I've got other plans. Go up here to Zarephath. God is going to be faithful. The question is, are we going to be faithful? Are we faithful? Have you done what God has asked you to do? Some of you have been saved and you've never been baptized. Say, preacher, are you trying to get me to walk out? No, I'm not trying to get you to walk out. I'm trying to get you to do what God wants you to do. You say, well, why is baptism important? I'll tell you why baptism is important. Because Jesus told us to be baptized. That, that was an ordinance. You know, we have two ordinances. We have the Lord's Supper and we have the ordinance of baptism. And Jesus walked over 50 miles one way to be baptized. And you won't walk down an aisle and walk up the steps to a baptistry to get baptized. Listen, I'll take you to the wife. You can't get up and down the steps. We've done that. That's how important we think baptism. Why? Because baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Jesus told us to baptize, but he also told us to make disciples. If I baptize you and I don't make you a disciple, I have failed. I have done half of what Jesus told me to do. He said, baptize them, but he also said, teach them everything. Now, I know there's some folks that are upset because we're going to the Pelham Civic Complex on Easter Sunday. I, I know some of them have said, why couldn't Brother Mike just come and preach here? And then everybody wanted to go to the, let me tell you why. Because this, we feel like this is a God thing. If I didn't feel like this was a God thing, I, I would have squelched it from the beginning. You know, by the way, I don't know if you know this, and I have power to squelch as the pastor. Uh, uh, you can ask Linda and Don. They can, give you a, they can give you the flow chart at First Baptist Pelham. We, we go over the flow chart every now and then with Linda and Don. But why are we doing this? Because it's a God thing. This is the first time since February 20th, 2000, we will have one service on Sunday morning, and we have a place where everybody can come. I mean, you can see who comes to the 8 o'clock service and the 1045 service, and they can all see you. I mean, you may have a brother or sister member of this church, and you don't know it. Because you don't talk about where you go to church with your brother and sister. I don't know how that could be, but, man, you'll say, I didn't know you went to First Baptist. I didn't know you went to First Baptist. I think it's going to be a great day. You say, why aren't you preaching? Well, this, this is a service in a civic complex, and I'm a pastor. I'm used to preaching in a church with pews and a congregation. I felt like we need to get somebody that was used to preaching in a place like that. We're getting Scott Dawson to preach. Great preacher. I mean, it's a God thing. He was even available at this late date. God has worked all this out. We need you to help us. I don't, I don't want you to be this. I just want to come to my church on Easter Sunday. Guess what? There'll be another Easter Sunday this time next year. And right now, we don't have any plans to go anywhere else. Now, if God told us to, we'd, go, we'd make plans to do it. But we, we haven't done this fair. How many times have you ever known us to close the church up and move somewhere? Never. You say, well, you can still preach. No, I, I could, but again, we want all the church together one time. I can't think of a better day to do that than Easter. But you know, I know that's different. You think it wasn't 
different? Eating food brought by ravens? What if Elijah had been a Baptist? I didn't get to vote on this in the business meeting. At least he could have had a sparrow. I'm an Auburn fan. He could have had an eagle. I'm playing a part there. Y'all know I'm not an Auburn fan. There are a lot of birds that could have brought that food. Kind of bony anyway. Listen. I hope you've learned. Don't come to God like this. Don't come to God like this. So how do you come to God? You come to God like this. I surrender all. Not my way, but your way, God. We even sing a song like about that. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, wounded and still. I hope you'll say have thine own way this morning. You'll face problems. But God is bigger than any problem you'll ever face. And he has an answer for every question. There are a lot of atheists and agnostics in the world today. And you say, preacher, how do you deal with that? The way the Bible says to do it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I meet an atheist or we're out visiting. If I meet an atheist or an agnostic, I'm not going to get into a theological argument. I'm just going to tell them, hey, we're here today because we care about you and we'd love to have you come to the Easter service. You say, you think an atheist or an agnostic is going to come to the Easter service? Not unless I invite them. By the way, here's a crash course in dealing with atheists or agnostics. Somebody tells you they're an atheist or an agnostic. Your question ought to be, how sure are you there's no God? Are you 100% sure? And if they say, yeah, I'm 100% sure. Well, let me ask you one more question. Do you know everything there is to know under the sun? Because I'm going to be honest. I don't know everything. My ignorance is amazing and astounding. So there are probably a lot of things I don't know, but I do know this. There is a God, and he loves me, and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And the day I received Jesus Christ, I became a new person in Christ. And God will do the same for you if you'll just ask him. You see, to be 100% atheist, you have to be willing and arrogant enough to say, I know everything there is to know. And a person who says that is a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But you know, shouldn't we love atheists? Shouldn't we love agnostics? Shouldn't we love people who've just never heard? Let's give God our time, our talents, and our treasure. You know what he does? He takes them and he blesses them. And he sends them out where they need to go, and he uses them, and he replaces them. That's the whole point of this story. That widow had a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal, and Elijah and her and her son and her whole household fed on that for up to a year. Little is much.
when God is in it. Give your little to God and see what he'll do with it. But most of all, see what he'll do through you. Let's pray.